Hello everybody and welcome back to Success Clinic. You are listening to The Briefing with the Dope Doctor and I remain yours truly, Daniel Oluwagbimuleke Popola. We hope you folks are doing really well and you're continuing to thrive, making the best of, of the situations around you and the resources that we prescribe here at Success Clinic. Um, and we hope that you're using these resources to propel yourselves to the pinnacle of your God-given potentials. Just as a reminder, all the resources that we provide here are available on our website, www.success-clinic.com. And most of, all, most of them are also available on our social media platforms on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Well, we are here again to spend some quality time together to acquire some wisdom tips and learn some strategies to navigate our path to greatness. As always, by learning from the heroes who have gone ahead of us to experience the journey, and they have triumphed and have now returned to debrief us. As always, sit back, or keep driving, or keep working now, or keep walking, or just keep doing whatever you're doing as you enjoy this special episode. And we hope that at the end of this episode, you are re-energized and motivated to push through those obstacles that are standing between you and your destination of excellence. Now the wait is over and I'm honored and thrilled to introduce our guest today. At the age of 35, she became the youngest jurist in the Buffalo City Court bench. And she was appointed for, and I quote, our impeccable credentials, a strong ethics and passion. That same year, she earned the endorsement of the Democratic, Republican, Conservative, and Working Family Parties. And she was elected for a 10-year term as a Buffalo City Court jury. And during her time, she has presided over criminal matters, including felony and misdemeanor arraignments, felony hearings, well, all of those, I, I don't understand what they are. <laughs> My wife can tell me a little more. <laughs> Free trial hearings, jury and non-jury trials, sentencing, civil matters, and domestic violence cases. Now, our guest has shattered the glass ceiling several times on the course to her career. Remember in 2015, she became the youngest jurist of the Buffalo City Court. Now, last year, she did that again, shattering the glass ceiling when she was appointed as the first female chief judge of the city of Buffalo. And just let me emphasize, she is the first black female chief judge of the city of Buffalo. Now we are beyond honored. Well, personally, I got to know her, our guest, while following her, while she was you know, following her passion for impacting and empowering the community, which is one of the greatest attributes of of, of our guest today. Every time I see her performing her community engagement activities, I've always seen her as, you know, the Michelle Obama of Buffalo. As she demonstrates a strong passion for empowering young dreamers around her, which is a similar attribute that is most admirable about our forever first lady, Michelle Obama. It is with distinguished honor that I welcome to the studio, Judge Jahar Prejan.
Thank you, doctor. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to be here. Thank you so much for honoring our invitation. With no further ado, let's get started. Let's go. So the first section of this show is to talk about the good. Or try to, you know, have you introduce yourself, talk a little more, give us more substance as to, you know, your beginning, where you were born, where you grew up, and what you do for a living. So I am a Buffalonian. I was born in the city of Buffalo. Um, I grew up in the city until I left to go to law school. That's pretty much the only time that I have not uh, resided in the city of Buffalo. Mm -hmm. I initially, um, as a young child, we lived on Coit Street, which is downtown Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother and my biological father uh, ultimately ended up divorced. So we moved from Carl Street downtown. Uh, we still stayed on the east side, but we lived on Carl Street and it really wasn't a good neighborhood at that time. Um, and then ultimately when my mom married my dad, he's my stepdad, but he's my dad, he raised me. Uh, we moved on Davidson, which is like the Kissington Bailey area. Mm -hmm. But I am a Buffalonian. I love the bills. I don't necessarily <laughs> like the cold weather. But um, I, I, I love Buffalo. This community has my heart. And, you know, you've already pretty much said the synopsis of everything uh, as to who I am. But... Currently, I'm a judge in Buffalo City Court, and it's an honor to serve as the chief judge of Buffalo City Court. Thank you. Thank you. So um, the the next question we have from our guests, from our audience is, what was your inspiration to pursue a career in law? Um, so I, I mentioned this briefly um, a few moments ago. My biological father and my mother um, ended up getting a divorce and I had to be maybe five or six and it's I can't even believe that I remember this but we of course ended up in family court in Erie County and we had an AFC assigned to me so that's an attorney for the child and it was something about that attorney that really made me say when I grow up that's what I want to be. Mm. And, you know, for me, I am a very spiritual person, a very religious person. So I don't think anything happens by coincidence. Mm. I think that initial seed and, you know, you can take it and say, well, your parents were in the middle of a divorce. But for something like that, it, it's amazing to me how God can take trauma or something that you typically would not take as a blessing and ultimately, that was my first contact with the legal system, so to speak, and family court. Mm -hmm. So from that experience, even though I, you know, I'm sure for my mom and my biological dad at the time, it was not a pleasant experience, mm -hmm. but that was my first experience. And um, I never, even when I went to school, changed my mind as to wanting to be a lawyer. So mm -hmm. I don't know who that AFC was, and I've actually tried to figure out who she was, mm -hmm. but... Whatever she did, if she knows who she is to this day, you know, she honestly changed my mind and my impression about mm. what the courts do and how they protect the kids. Thank you for sharing that powerful insight. It's two things I could gain from that is, number one, some trash, some things that we may consider as trash in our lives is gold in disguise. 
And whenever we go through whatever experiences we're going through in life, we should always see that something great is coming out of it. Because one of the greatest things that we often fear in this world is divorce, especially thinking what's going to happen to the kids, the impact on the emotions, and just now listening to your very rare and unique story, that that experience, although it may not have been what you wanted, turned out to be where God had buried your greatness, Mm -hmm. as long as you saw a way out of it. Absolutely. And, you know, as you were saying that, it made me think I have two daughters, um, a six-year-old and almost 10 or 11, I should say, in a few days. And I took them one day over to Carl Street because Mm -hmm. I wanted them to see, you know, where mommy grew up. And when we rode down Carl Street, the house that I lived in and grew up in, they tore it down. Oh, my God. So, you know, I was obviously upset because I wanted her to, you know, see a physical building. Mm. And I said to her, you know, you can take that and say it's an abandoned field or there's nothing there now. And I said, but it's still God's so strategic. Mm. What appears to be nothing. Raced. Right. Now here you have something. So, you know, my 10 year old, almost 11 year old, she's very smart, but I think she understood what I was saying, because the fact that I went back to where I came from in to man's eyes, it's Mm. nothing. But to know on that particular lot. That's where I grew up. And, God, you God, know. God raised you from something. <laughs> he did. That he it, did. It was not going to be there again right. after several years, but the the product of that place mm-hmm. is raising an entire city because what you do is not just raising your kids. It's not just sitting on that bench. You are actually raising the city. Every kid that you've rescued, every marriage, every relationship, every home that you have impacted, becomes part of what we raise Buffalo. You don't know if the next chief judge in a couple of years maybe the will be one of the kids that actually came through your court. Honestly, I, th- that's what the prayer is, you know. Hmm. Sometimes, in, you know, obviously I came to know you through your wife, and there are days that I have walked out of court more so after presiding in domestic violence, and even now I still do a human trafficking court. And you say, God, did I help anybody today? Hmm. Because at least in in a drug court, you have more tangible results, right? Mm-hmm. People graduate, and they yes. have a graduation, and people clap, and they get a certificate. Mm-hmm. In domestic violence, sure, I can send somebody to parenting classes. Um, I worked in family court during COVID. You can give them what's called a menu and suggest counseling for the family, anger management or any type of other counseling, but sending someone to a parenting class, I don't know the results necessarily, Mm -hmm. right? So I can only guess, well, I think I've been practicing for 16 years. So I can only say, hopefully, a case I saw five years ago, Mm. hopefully in the next 15 to 20 years, that child in their own way Mm -hmm. has the equivalent of a, you know, graduation from a different core part. Yes. But I, I have to be firm in my beliefs and mm. know that God put me there for a reason. Mm. 
And I, honestly, I do believe that we've helped a lot of families, even though you don't see, and I know I have, you know, I've, I've been at Juneteenth on a float and I've had a mother literally <laughs> chase me now. You saved my kid's oh my life. Gosh. Me? Oh my gosh. So like when, when those moments happen, you know, it makes you feel, okay, here I am on a float, just having a good time celebrating mm. Juneteenth. And she did not have to come over and tell me that. So those are the moments where I say, okay, maybe out maybe of the thousands of cases, life. even if it's just that one, mm-hmm. you really impacted somebody's life. So. You know, you just reminded me about the, you know, in the Bible when you know, Jesus was given the, the story of all those lepers that were healed and one came back. One came back. One came back. But that one is the one we talk about the most now because it's that one that really shows the impact of what Jesus did at that time mm-hmm. to every one of them. So that one person, that one time, always means a lot. It sure does. You know, and the other lesson I from the story before we go to the next question is that everyone that walks past us today, everyone that we walk by, everyone that we interact with, we are sent to them for a reason. The AFC you mentioned, she may never have known. You may have just been one of the tens of assignments that she had. But she never would have ever thought right. that one of the kids on her assignment was going to be the chief judge of the same <laughs> city where she was working. That's how God works, right? I can't take her to free that at all. <laughs> mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. I think that just basically reminds us that whatever we are doing, even on days that we have a bad day, even on days that we are not sure what we are doing, mm-hmm. we should have that mentality, that understanding in mind. Even though it's hard, it's hard, especially it during the bad days. But to always remember that I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And everything I do, my conduct, my actions, my thoughts, someday could just be a seed has been planted that will grow up 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now to possibly make a strong impact. Well, somebody did it for me. <laughs> I'm a living testimony. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Success Clinic, where our mandate is to empower you as you journey to the pinnacle of your God-given potentials. As a reminder, we have a ton of resources strategically planned and designed to facilitate your success. These resources include podcast episodes where we have exclusive interviews with the heroes of your communities who have successfully navigated the journey to greatness that you and I are aspiring for. We also have inspirational nuggets, activities, and exercises that we release almost daily, primarily on our social media platforms to consistently remind you and remain that voice of positive reinforcement and support that you need to stay focused on your, on your positive journey to success, especially when things are not going as planned. At Success Clinic, we also provide information about mentorship and scholarship opportunities for both local and international students and aspiring professionals. Furthermore, we provide free professional attires in our Pond to Shine uh, room that is sponsored by our suit drive and a whole lot more. For more details about all of this, please visit our website today at www.success-clinic.com 
and our social media platforms including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Come hang out with us and join this unstoppable movement of ordinary people discovering and transforming into the extraordinary version of ourselves as we journey hand in hand together to the pinnacle of our God-given potentials. I remain yours, the Dope Doctor. The next question is, do you mind sharing what it means to be the chief judge of Buffalo City Court? So the job that I have now as being the chief judge of Buffalo City Court, it's drastically different than what I was doing maybe eight or nine months ago when I was a judge who more so presided over cases. Mm -hmm. A lot of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is administrative work. Mm -hmm. So it can be anything as simple as the garage door that lets the judges in is broken. <laughs> it can be anything from the heating in the building. It can be anything from the lights are not working in the lobby, right? I mean, it, it's anything but the building, but then more importantly, um, my job is important because it's also about serving the people of the city of Buffalo. Mm. So. There are 14 judges in Buffalo City Court, including myself, and I legitimately pride myself on the work that we do there. Um, we have many specialty courts. I work very close with the judges who also the other 13 judges who serve on the bench mm -hmm. and make sure that the courts run, um, whether it's the L&T court, whether it's the housing court, the drug courts that we have, uh, the DWI court. It's administrative, but I, always try to make sure that I'm there and accessible for the judges because then in turn that basically trickles down to making sure that the litigants have exactly what they need. Oh, awesome. Can you, for law students who are listening or mm -hmm. kids who are aspiring to be a lawyer and some judge, a judge someday, can you tell us like how it, how it went? So you had to go through of course, high school, college, mm -hmm. and then law school, Correct. and then what's next? I don't the know. dreaded bar, the dreaded bar exam. <laughs> as, I know that one because my wife took it. Yes, you. I was gonna say as she sits in the corner there, smiling about the, the dreaded bar exam. But you take the bar exam, and then uh, for the city of Buffalo, for example, there is a residency requirement, meaning you have to live in the city. Mm. Which, you know, for me, it's important because I love the city of Buffalo. I'm vested in my community as far back as I can remember. I mean, mm. even getting my mayor summer youth working papers. My first job mm. was at my church. And then, you know, I did the typical Burger King where you definitely learn some patience mm. and customer service, which even in that moment of you're working at Burger King and the drive through window, it's the whole, the customer is always right. <laughs> but I think even in that job, it translates to the service that we provide the litigants mm. because people show up to court and they're upset. You know, if you have someone in the landlord tenant part or the housing part, mm. no one wants to be evicted. And even if they're there for non-payment, at a base level, people deserve respect. So there have been times where, you know, more so if I was in domestic violence, people don't always speak to you very kind. And it's difficult to have the temperament that you always should have. 
So sometimes I have to remind myself, I think I told you this off air, you know, or maybe I said it on air. I, I, I grew up kissing Ken Bailey. So I would say, I'm a Ken Bailey girl at heart. <laughs> so you have to remind yourself, you know what, sometimes when people say things a certain way or their body language, you don't want to mistranslate what they're saying, even by their nonverbal skills. Mm. So, you know, those little jobs now that I think about even working at Burger King or somewhere like that, it really prepared me for what I'm doing today. And then mm. outside of residency, you actually have to have a law degree <laughs> in the city of <laughs> Buffalo. I, that is very important. And uh, for me... In 2015, I was first appointed uh, by Mayor Byron Brown, which was a blessing. And then that same year, I ran for the full 10-year term because initially the appointment only gave me the job for the first year. So I would have had the job till December 31st of 2015, and I knew I wanted to stay in that position. And then, again, another blessing, um, my predecessor was appointed to Supreme Court and this opportunity opened up. And again, nothing short of the grace of God, uh, Mayor Byron Brown appointed me again as the chief of Buffalo City Court. And then I received a lot of support um, from the community, from people in the political world. And it's very hard to believe that I've been in the job now eight, nine months, I believe. Mm. So it's truly a blessing. I still have to pinch myself and say, Wow, you're the chief judge of Buffalo City Court. <laughs> it's a blessing. What a story. Thank you for sharing that journey. A few things I've caught from you talking is that everything is by the grace of God. Many times there's need for that force behind you. Definitely. You no, know, my understanding is that we train ourselves, prepare ourselves for the things that we can control. But life is always tricky. It will, <laughs> it will bring some things beyond our control. And that's why we need some force that we cannot see to deal with the things that we cannot see Absolutely. or deal with. Absolutely. I agree with that. But that's, that's a digress. When you reflect mm -hmm. on your journey, on everything you've had to endure, everything you've gone through to attain this position of excellence, was it worth it? Oh, hands down. You know, I, I find myself sometimes questioning what success means because for everybody it you know it means something different like I know even a few years ago I would more so define success by this is how much money I'm making right mm. and then you find yourself making more money and then you get to that point and it's well okay now what the definition of success when I just got this appointment um, as the chief judge in June we went to Mayor Byron Brown's office and, you know, he made the big announcement and my family was there, my husband, my daughters, and uh, my parents, grandparents, and then just other friends and family. And I looked over in the front row and my father-in-law and my 10-year-old daughter, Jordan, were bawling and sobbing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm a crier, so... I kept saying, what's going on? Why are they crying? And then I, I said to Jordan after, I said, Jordan, why are you crying? What's wrong? And she said, I am just so proud of you. Oh, my God. And, you know, I even at 42, I still strive to have my mother say, 
they call me Jay. Jay, I'm proud of you, right? My grandfather, who's 86 years old, my grandmother in her 80s, like, success for me is when my 10-year-old, I initially said to her, you know, mommy's interested in this job, and there's never been a girl. And she says, well, you know what, girl? Go for it. You have to do it. It was like, okay, one, my husband and I are doing the right thing in the sense of empowering them because we're raising young black women. Yes. And the fact that she gave me that encouragement, but I said, for me right now, my drive is to, I want my children to say, mommy did this. There's no doubt in my mind that I can do this. Mm. Like without question. And sometimes, you know, my husband and I, we pick on each other because I love my husband to death. We've been married for 12 years, and I told you all he's the cook in the house. You know, he is my pastor. He is my friend. He is who I confide in. He is my political advisor. You know, I I love my husband to death, but with the girls, it's even as the first female in this position, I've encountered so many things that I know are only because I am an African-American female. And the first black female, too. Right. It's it, And, you know, I say it's the gift and the curse. Mm. I think it's when you're in the criterion and the challenger, it's great, right? Mm. My mommy is on the front page of this newspaper, or you look at the news, and Mayor Brown is making that announcement. But when you get calls at 1 o'clock in the morning, because it does happen, or when it's a weekend and I'm sitting in church trying to get a word for me to keep my sanity. <laughs> and then I'm looking at my cell phone and there's emails or text messages work related. You know, it, it's a job that at times can be very thankless. Mm. And I think people, oh, you're the first, you're the chief, you're the this. With that comes a lot of stress. Um it's a responsibility that I take very, very serious mm. because I realize what I do or what I don't do or how I carry myself really impacts the next to come after me. Mm. There should not be another. I mean, you figure if City Corps has been existing for 200 years, it should not be another 200 years before someone who looks like me becomes right. Occupy the same space. So right? I try to be very careful as to how I conduct myself, because people are always watching. Yes. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I definitely always try to do the right thing and keep in mind there is someone out there saying, hey, if Judge Pridgen did that, of course I can. And, it, and I, you know, it's funny, I just said to one of the judges at another swearing in, um, he had a historical appointment as well. And I was saying to him, you know, we always talk about this glass ceiling, right? Oh, it's so beautiful, and this glass ceiling, and we've shattered it. And I said, but if you really think about it, you know, if this up here, this ceiling is glass, that broken glass has to go somewhere, right? Mm. So if you think about it, I'm sure if I took a broom and I'm breaking this glass ceiling, it's it's probably shattering and it's going to come down on the floor. Mm. And what I said to the judge is we have to be mindful when we shatter the glass Others are possibly trying to maneuver through that mm. or walk onto that. So those feet that are stepping on that glass. Come bleeding. Right. If we don't do it the right way. Mm. So it's it's a beautiful thing. You shatter it carefully. You sure do. And be mindful of those who are now walking around, walking through it or trying to sweep it 
right? Mm. So it, it it's a blessing, but I I never want to be the reason for, you know what? Judge Pridgen went in there and woo, she caused a whole mess. So <laughs> the next one can't you know look like Judge Pridgen. I I, I never want to be that person. So mm. hopefully, I broke the glass in a good way. The right way. Wow. That, that is my prayer. That's my prayer. I'm sure. I'm sure that you uh, you're doing it the right way. There's several testimonies out there. You know, we were just walking up here, and someone walked into us, and we <laughs> had a conversation. And this is someone that I, you know, I've seen as a mentor, as a mm-hmm. teacher, as mm-hmm. you know, and walking into you and demonstrating, you know, telling all the testimonies as well. You know, it, it shows that many people, my wife including. By the way, everybody, my wife is in the studio today. <laughs> Applause. She, she did not come until I brought her mentor into the studio. That's how much she loves me and how much she loves what I do. So let me put it out there, okay? She loves you. She definitely does. She always she speaks does. about you. <laughs> you have a beautiful family. Thank you, Judge. But, but thank you for actually clarifying that. I was... You know, part of this success clinic project for me, it's it's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And so I spend a lot of time in in the library, in the office space at home, or even mm-hmm. beside my wife in bed when we were supposed to be going to sleep, just penning things down. And one of the things I was talking about, I was actually penning down in my notes a couple of days ago was the people that have gone before us. Mm-hmm. The people that have set the pace, that have, con- in my notes, I I tag tagged it as people who have constructed the road. Mm. So a lot of people who are the first to do things, first to do that, first to do this, they are actually constructing a road that never existed. Mm. Our counterparts who are privileged have that road constructed. Tarred, paved, paved <laughs> with cameras, mm-hmm. with light day and night. But people like you who are shattering that glass ceiling for us to come after, you are basically just clearing the bush mm. to actually reveal that there is a soil under those trees, under that bush, and then making that path walkable for you first and then for others to come. And all that work you're doing, someday, I'm sure, we'll tell our kids and our grandkids about Judge Pridgen. You know, especially when mommy someday becomes a judge and (laughs) chief judge somewhere. You know, and we'll say, you know, mommy was able to accomplish this because she had some great mentors. Like Judge Pridgen, who shattered that ceiling. And so for that, I just wanted to say that thank you. And thank you for sharing how it's worth it looking back at all the sacrifices, which we will get to at the great section of this conversation, but sharing that powerful, also sharing that powerful definition of success, which is the 10 year old (laughs) in tears. And those kids, they don't cry for no reason. Not my 10 year old. (laughs) No, they do not. She's too busy on TikTok or swiping on her cell phone. You know, they, they don't do it for no reason, but that one moment when they genuinely do it, mm-hmm. it makes up for the 
three to four years that I never wanted to <laughs> show any emotions at all. <laughs> Probably what I have to come in a teenager. So you're right. I, I'll be thankful for it now. I'll have to keep that memory. <laughs> How do you still stay so humble? Well, you know, it's actually a couple of ways. Um, on my bench in the courtroom, I have a picture from my appointment in 2015. So we were in the ceremonial courtroom and I mean, it was a packed house and I'm just sobbing in every single picture. I look horrible because I was crying. <laughs> but I keep that picture on my bench because I think it's very easy to put on a robe and preside over people's lives and make very important decisions mm. and remember that it's nothing short of the grace of God that I'm not on the other side of the bench. Mm. So I constantly look at that picture to remind myself of, wow, you were crying your eyes out because you were thankful, you were happy, it was so the earlier feeling of pinching myself, is this really happening? You know, mm. do I really have Mayor Brown here speaking highly of me? Um, District Attorney Frank Sedita at the time, now Judge Sedita, the Majority Leader, Crystal People Stokes, my father-in-law, um, Council President Bishop Darius Prision, and then my family being there. So I, the first thing, even before I even get on the bench, it may be a 10-second prayer, but it's, God cover my mind, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the first part, but the, it, it's a funny story, but I always tell, you know, my six-year-old journey. Journey is wise beyond her years. And I remember we were in <laughs> Target and we saw somebody from the courts and the person's, oh, Judge Prison, this Judge Prison, oh, Judge. And Journey says, you are not a judge. You are just mommy. <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, if I thought I was all that, you just bust my little ego, girlfriend. But I think you have to really surround yourself with people who keep you grounded. Mm. You know, like my mother, my mother's a very strong woman. My mother, if I went to her house and she says to me, Jay, you want to take out the trash, right? I think she's posing it as a question, but Janice Jones really means... Jahair take out the trash, right? <laughs> so my family really keeps me grounded. Um, my husband, he pastors a church in Niagara Falls, and he's very, you know, we live in the city, obviously, the city of Buffalo. Whether it's Buffalo, Niagara Falls, you know, we come from, I think everybody who knows the Prison family, it's a family that gives back. We love mm. service. But I also have to say even with how I was raised, my maiden name is Pennington. So even how my mother, you know, taught me about hard work. My grandmother taught me little things, how you present yourself, you know, like mm -hmm. proper undergarments. My grandmother's mm -hmm. old school, you gotta get a slip, girl. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's those little things, but those people who will say to you, I understand from nine to five, you may be the judge, but when you're around here, it's just Cousin Jay, right? <laughs> so my family wholeheartedly, and I mean, even my husband and I, you know, we have long conversations, very deep, intensive conversations. And sometimes, definitely behind closed doors, we have to check each other. Mm. And it's not where, you know, you're kicking and punching it. It's not that. 
but it's you have to have somebody who is if you're the emperor they mm. can't be afraid to say you have no clothes on right That's like true. he knows like i would never mm. say on a sunday morning honey what are you do-? behind closed doors though it's honey you know what when you did this or maybe you wanted to and he does the same thing for me mm. So you really have to keep people around you who keep you grounded, grounded. whether it's the six-year-old who just really tells you. <laughs> mom, you're yeah, not girl, a you're judge. not a judge. Was like, you're oh, just a mommy. Hey, you're just my mommy. <laughs> like, sure, you know what, pumpkin? You're right. I'm just mommy. Here at Success Clinic, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for making the date with us again today. I hope that you're having an amazing time and capturing the golden treasures contained in this episode. We know how valuable your time is and we truly appreciate it. We also want to send a shout out to those of you out there who have been engaging with us, sending us feedback on how these conversations have transformed your lives and how they have become a manual for your own journey to success. Thank you as well to all of you who have been providing commentaries and sharing the word and episodes with your friends, families, and communities. Your effort is a priceless gift to us. Your engagement makes our dreams come true by facilitating the exponential expansion of the impact that this podcast is having on our community. This way, you continue to inspire us to give our best to this cause. We're truly grateful and we look forward to even greater opportunities to serve you better. Eshe, dalu, nagode. Muchas gracias. Asante. Mercy. Thank you. Now, let's get back to the episode. Oh my word, those yeah, kids. She... What, what would we do without them? <laughs> Not be humble. <laughs> <laughs> I can only speak for miles. So wow, I think I took the right kids home, doctor. You know, you know, I, a couple of days ago, I was just thinking, God, when Bible says that, you no, know, if you ha- if you want to make it to heaven, you have to have the heart of those kids. God knows what He packaged <laughs> in the hearts of those kids. He does. Can't question it, right? They one, make you look yourself in the mirror, though, and and ask yourself those tough questions, mm-hmm. right? They have, my daughters anyway, have no filters. So it's like, okay, mommy just needs to be honest. Thanks for checking me. Oh, thank God for right. that. I'm only mommy. Perfect. <laughs> only thank mommy. you for reminding me, right? But, you know, to be very candid, I, th- I think that is, that is a very valuable lesson you just taught mm-hmm. every one of us. No matter how far or how fast or how high you rise, keep people around you who are not fearful who will tell you whenever you have to change things. You know, someone was saying yesterday, I was, I, was, I can't remember what I was watching. Oh, it was the president-elect of Nigeria, mm. um, Bola Tinubu. And he, he was saying, God has not created that one person that is perfect. I haven't met him yet, and I know it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> And right? so whenever we are rising, it's often also easy to forget that, mm-hmm. that we're human. Especially, you know, we were talking about this earlier, when we start to be overwhelmed with the responsibilities that we, that we are committed to in order to, you know, maintain that position that God has put, put us, we need those people who are watching our blind spots. <laughs> Definitely. And, and who else 
should it be even a family if not those kids absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for sharing that now the next question is your role model to for several talented and aspiring young women in the community my wife included um was this something that you ever dreamt of becoming growing up so I know when I was five or six, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. And then when I started working in the DA's office, that's really what inspired me to say, hey, you know what, maybe one day I could be a judge or I would want to be a judge. I loved working in the DA's office and I understand that justice came in many different ways. Mm. Um, but I think when I saw what was going on in Buffalo City Court, for example, that really gave me that passion and drive and just inspired me to say, although I love being a prosecutor, one day I want to be a judge because it, there's so many other things that you can do. Mm. I think as a DA, I was so focused on more so my last few years there because I was prosecuting felonies. You know, when you get, you really, it's almost like having blinders on okay, I have a new file, let me investigate the file. I have to mm -hmm. indict it in a certain amount of time. And it's very easy to forget that people have dimensions because mm -hmm. you have a file and it's pieces it's of paper. Yeah. And then, but you know, for me, and even going to the question you just asked about staying grounded, I had so many cases where I was reading and it was a street that I recognized. Mm. Or it's oh my goodness, there's a homicide and the funeral is at my father-in-law's church or something that him or my husband would have to be involved in. So it really makes you say, wow, this is hitting home, right? Mm. But I think from working in the DA's office and then honestly for me, um, meeting Judge Ogden, for example, just walking into her courtroom, I was starstruck like, this is Judge Ogden, <laughs> you know, and I, and I still get that way, you know, but people like a Judge Ogden or Judge Sconers, uh, Judge Shirley Troutman, Judge Deborah Givens, who um, swore me in when I became the chief judge. When I would go to court and see women like that, you know, and Judge Ogden is always tough, very fair, but going into her courtroom, I knew you better have everything together, right? Mm. You don't go in there and be unprepared. And then, you know, I would look at somebody like Judge Givens, who just always very graceful. Mm -hmm. You know, I still don't have her temperament, so guys, I don't recommend for that. <laughs> but she's always like, I have yet to hear her raise her voice. And you look at her as someone where, not to say she looks and conducts herself as a judge, but you say there's something about her that hey, maybe one day I could do that. Mm -hmm. And of course, do it in my own way. Mm -hmm. But it's, I want to mirror what's going on with her. And then I mentioned Judge Shirley Troutman. I appeared in front of Judge Troutman. She was still sitting in county court. And it was just something about her presence. Mm -hmm. And when she speaks, it's very intentional. And mm -hmm. the way that she articulates even her sentences mm -hmm. The way that things are spoken, it was just something even about her where I said, one day, I think I could do that. Mm. And there's so all women that I legitimately still look up to. I go to them 
for advice. You know, Judge Ogden will give you advice in a different way. She'll, <laughs> she she get a little fussy. She's motherly. But those are people who really inspired me and from a young prosecutor standpoint made me say, of course one day I could do this because Judge Ogden one told me I could, right? <laughs> but those are um, people who really I still even now look up to. Mm. And today you are occupying that seat where other younger attorneys or even women met in law school are saying someday I want to have that grace and that articulation of Judge Parijan. And I really don't do things with that in the back of my mind, but when you think mm -hmm. about it, it really, even that humbles you. You know, mm -hmm. when you have even people who are a generation above us or, you know, 20, 30 years older who are saying, I'm proud of you. Like, those things mean mm -hmm. a lot. And then for, you know, a, a friend of my daughter to say, hey, I want to be like Judge Pridgen. You're like, oh, do you really? Like, because I'm still, I'm still in the moment. And then your daughter says, she's not a judge. That's she's exactly what she's going to say, right? <laughs> but I, it's, it's hard to really process it because I'm still currently in the moment and maybe 10 or 15 years from now when you really can reflect on it. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's still the hustle of, I have a job to do, right? <laughs> let's, yes. let's take care of the work. Now, you, you keep doing the work and we, outside the work, keep thanking God for you. Thank you. Because, you know, you may not see it. You may not hear it. You may not be right there in your circle to tell you, but definitely the word is out there how much lives you've been transforming. That means a lot to me. continue to do that. That really means a lot to me. So we'll go for the last question in this section. Okay. And then we'll get to the real part that <laughs> keeps our audience glued to their seats. What inspired your passion for impacting the lives of the younger generation coming after you and what has been most rewarding on this career? I mean, honestly, just the fact that, and I know that there's people with stories and backgrounds that are probably more compelling than mine, but, you know, growing up where I did and the fact that I even got a law degree. Mm. You know, it, it's something that I don't take for granted. Mm. Um, I, I didn't mention it earlier, but my biological father, he suffers from mental health issues. And I know, you know, in the black community, it's something that we like to sweep under the rug, even mm. though it's been out there recently and people say that, you know, there still should not be a stigma. There is. There is. And my biological father is diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. So what will happen is he'll take his medication and then he thinks he's okay. Mm -hmm. And then he will not take the medication. And mm -hmm. it's no different than any other mental health issue where it's the equivalent of a relapse. Mm -hmm. And I, years ago, I would feel ashamed to even acknowledge that. And I think it's more so because, oh, you come from this family or this is what people know or your husband is the pastor and, you know, in the black church, you're the first lady. And, 
you know, those things are a blessing. But I think when you tell your true self and share with people, the fact that I grew up on Carl or lived on Coy, the fact that my parents got a divorce, the fact that even there are nights now, I have no idea if I'll get a phone call from a family member saying, we found your dad or he's not. And that has happened before where there's been your dad is in an institution and he's really not doing well. Mm-hmm. So those things, even though I'm still in the middle of that as mm-hmm. an adult, um, those things still make me push. Mm-hmm. They still inspire me. Mm-hmm. And to know that, you know, you can have a parent who suffers from a mental health illness and still push through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I credit my dad, he, my stepdad, but he's my dad. I credit my dad, but my mother, when you talk about grit, like my my mother is, I don't know, five foot one, whatever she is, she's short. <laughs> and my mother was in the service. My mother um, was honorably discharged when she found out she was pregnant with me. Mm. And my mom is tough, you know, like she's a little softy the older she get. <laughs> but my mom is legitimately responsible mm. for me. <clears throat> so those are the things that really inspire me. And like I said before, I want my mom to be proud of me, but the fact that, you know, you come from something that appears to be nothing or the fact that there's still a parent who is still suffering mm. and has his own idea of reality versus mm. what it really is. Mm. Like, you know, I, I just still push through every day. Mm. And God is still good despite, right? He's faithful. Mm-hmm. He's faithful. Well, thank you so much for sharing, and thank you for that note. Um, it, it hits home. With that, I, with that, I want to say thank you for the first part. Um, we're gonna take like a thirty-second break. Okay. Um, and then we we'll get to the real part, the greet. Sounds good. Well. Friends, there you have it, the genesis of the journey of Honorable Jajahar Prigin from Cold Street to the courthouse. I hope that you've been as inspired as I have been by the tremendous you know, beauty of our path. Um, and we, we hope that you are even more excited to know the grief that she went through you know, on her way to the courthouse. Well, that will be in the next episode. If you have truly been blessed by any part of her journey or, you know, by previous stories that you've heard on this on this podcast and you feel that your life story relates with this path and you think that people can learn from some of the extraordinary experiences that you went through from your on your path to success please feel free to reach out to us. We will like to give you the opportunity to share your experiences uh, with the world on this platform. You can reach us by checking us out at our website, www.success-clinic.com. Again, www.success-clinic.com. On the website, visit the community room where you will find a contact form to fill out and our team will get back to you as soon as we can. You can also reach out to us 
on social media um, by searching for at the real dope dr again at the real dope dr on instagram facebook uh, twitter or tiktok stay blessed stay inspired i am in yours the real dope doctor daniel take care and god bless you bye for now